Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. So y'all came back. Y'all really came back. After all that last week, y'all really came back. I'm proud of you guys. I thought I was going to clear the, clear the house of God last week after that message. But you came back and you look hungry. You look ready for part two. Part two is going to hit different. It's going to be even better than part one. So I'm excited you are here this morning. Wow, thank you guys. I'm excited you're here. So uh, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. We're going to start there. We're going to continue this series we started last week called Life by Design. Now, for you people that are super practical and you, you, want, you want the nuts and bolts and you want the real nitty gritty, this service is for you because we're going to get down in the details with you today. So we're going to start here, Hebrews 12 and verse 11, the most fun, not for fun verse in the Bible. You ready? Okay, we'll do it again. Hebrews 12 and 11, no discipline is enjoyable why it is happening, it's painful. Remember that verse last week? But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip, and that's what we're going to do this year in 2023. Take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. So today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is part two. It's an unusual title, but you'll get it before it's over. We're going to talk today about the who, the how, and the do. And no, I'm not Dr. Seuss, but we're going to talk about the who, the how, and the do. So we're going to continue this series about life by design, but I want to start with a little recap of last week just so we start on the same foundation today because some of you guys weren't able to be here last week. So last week we started this series about life by design and the whole focus of this uh, complete series is I want to help you live the life that God has for you. I want you to be successful as your pastor, not just spiritually successful, but successful in your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, successful in your body, successful with your money and your relationships and your family. I want that as your pastor, but if I want that, how much more does God want that for you? Now, the only problem with that is it doesn't happen automatically. You don't stumble into the perfect will of God. You don't accidentally trip into the life that God has for you. It has to be intentional. And that's why we titled this series Life by Design because we have to be intentional about living our life the way that God wants us to live it and to fulfill the things that he has for us. We have to live a life on purpose and with a purpose for the purpose of God to come to pass in our life. But it's not accidental and it doesn't happen automatically just because you show up at church. Just because you love God doesn't mean you fulfill God's plan for your life. You have to live by design. So that's why we, I titled it Life by Design because all of us are living life by design or by default. Now, most of us live by default, which is I go through the motions day after day after day. I go to work and do the same thing. I have the same relationships. I have the same health. I have the same money. 
I have the same uh, mind that I had last year. I have the same spiritual life I had last year. And we go in this cycle year after year after year after year because we're not living intentionally and we're living by default. And then we're frustrated, right? Because we go into the next year and we're like, what happened? And they're like, nothing. And we go to the next year like, did I change? No. Did I grow? No. Is anything different in my life? No. But it's our choices that have caused us to live by default, not design. Amen? Or oh me? This is just a recap. We're not even into the real message yet. So we need to live life by design or we will continue to live in this cycle year after year after year. Now, I know all of you feel the same way I do. You don't want to keep doing that, do you? You don't want to keep living year after year and being frustrated with, did I make progress? Did I change? Did I grow? Or it's all the same. But it won't happen if we live by default. It will happen and we will change if we live by design. But design takes something called work. Design takes something called being intentional. It takes discipline. It takes purpose. It takes vision. Default takes nothing. You just naturally go there. You just naturally do that. It takes no effort. It's flowing downstream. But design takes work, intentionality, vision, strategy, and discipline. So this morning, talking about life by design, I want to get into the things that we need to think about when we think about designing our life. So can we draw again on the board? Yes, you guys liked it last week? Okay, don't make fun of my stick figures. Natalie made fun of it, which Natalie's my 10-year-old daughter. She was like, Dad, that was a horrible drawing. I was like, whatever. I'm not taking you to lunch today, sister. So, this is you. This is you standing on a cliff. This is you right here, a little stick figure. This is why they pay me the big bucks as the pastor for drawings like this. So, this is you right here. Um... And this is the dream or the life that God has for you. This is what you want to see with your life. But this is you. How many know you can't jump this? Okay, even if you're LeBron James, you still ain't jumping this. This is like the Grand Canyon right here. You can't jump it. Uh, you can't swim it. You can't fly it. You're going to have to do something here. And so when you're right here, you're thinking about designing your life. Designing your life. Designing your life means thinking about who you want to become, your vision, your purpose, God's dream for you. But to get from design to dream, you got to do something right here. This is why most of us stay right here, and then we live our life, and we're upset at God. We're upset at each other. Upset of the pastor for selling you a stinking lie, right? Because, pastor, you told me my life would be this way, and it's not this way. You know why? Because you're still right here. You're still right here. And you're saying, well, God, you know, if God was going to do it, it would come to pass. No. you got a part to play in this. We are co-workers, co-laborers with God, your Bible says. So we have a part to play in God's plan for our life. Yes, he will help us, but he's not the doer. We are the doer. He is the helper. So we got to do something for him to help. 
So this is where we're at. We're at design. We're thinking about our life. We're, we're planning about our life. And we want to get here. But to cross here to here, you got to build a bridge. So I'm going to build a bridge right here. The bridge's name is the most beautiful name in the world. Discipline. Discipline. The bridge's name is discipline. To get you from the design that you have in your heart that God has spoken to you about every part of your life, not just your spiritual life, to live the dream and the life that you want to live, the bridge that gets you from here to here is the word discipline. Thus, why many people don't ever get here. Because they have no discipline. Now, your desires alone don't determine who you become in life. Your disciplines do. Discipline is the bridge between who you are and who you want to become. And we can choose discipline in our own life. We can choose to be disciplined. God says that one of the things that the Holy Spirit brings into our life is not just power and love, but it's self-discipline. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control or self-discipline. And we got to realize when we choose discipline, we are choosing the right choice to fulfill God's plan for our life. It is the bridge from who we are to who we want to become. But I chose discipline on purpose. I could have chose habits, which I have before. Could have chose patterns, practices, rituals, routines. Could have chose any of those words. But I chose discipline on purpose because it implies pain. Pastor, you need counseling. Now, when I say pain, I am not talking about sickness or disease or traumatic things in your life. I'm not talking about that pain. I'm talking about the pain of discipline. And there's pain in life. The beauty of it is we get to choose. We can choose the pain of discipline to get the life that God has for us. Or we could choose the pain of regret for not having the discipline to get to where we need to get in life. But we all get to choose our pain. And we all will experience pain. But we get to choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. But we will all experience pain. But I mentioned this word discipline implying pain because you have to understand when you do the right thing, when you make the right choice, the healthy choice, the growing choice, the changing choice, it doesn't feel good when you do it. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want right now. Choosing core life over McDonald's. It's choosing 30 minutes at the gym over 30 minutes of Netflix. It's choosing 15 minutes of prayer in your car over 15 minutes of Fox News Radio. But the discipline is to get you from here to here. But when you first start doing it, it's not fun. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. It's hard. Can we bring back up Hebrews 12, 11? Because I felt like you wanted to read that verse again for some reason. What does the Bible say? No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But what happens? But afterwards, 
there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. It's choosing the hard right over the easy wrong. But I wanted to challenge us with this word discipline because it's a biblical word, but we need to talk about this in church. Because when we choose to do the right things, it will feel hard and painful at the time being. It will feel uncomfortable. And you will feel that, but you got to push past that. And if you do, there will be dramatic changes in your life. There will be growth. There will be newness. There will be the life that God has for you. But you have to be disciplined enough to go through hard, painful, uncomfortable things to get to where you want to be. In your spirit, in your body, in your mind, in your relationships, in your finances, in every part of your life. To get from the design that you have, the dreams, the vision boards you have, the plans to get to the reality of the dream takes discipline. That's the bridge. I can tell you are super excited so far. So, discipline means there's going to be pain. Now, last week we used this word, which you, many of you know. No pain, no gain. It's a weightlifting term, but it applies to every part of our life. You want to grow spiritually? You got to start doing something. No pain, no hardness, no uncomfortableness. You'll never grow. Mentally, no pain, no gain. Physically, no pain, no gain. Financially, no pain, no gain. There takes pain, and that's the pain of discipline to get to where you want to go. Now, the pain of discipline is always worth it because you'll see the results and the fruit and the, the harvest and the dream that God has for you. But in the time being, what does the Bible say? It's not enjoyable right then. It's painful. It's hard. But if you stay with that, it leads to the dream that God has for you. So, are you with me so far? That was my introduction. You're thinking, aren't we going home after that? No, you're not. Um, the good news is that if you are born again or you're saved and you have Jesus living on the inside of you, you have a new spirit. And your spirit actually always wants to do this. The issue is you have a body and a mind that doesn't want to do this. So when I'm saying you're going to feel pain, it's not going to be in your spirit because your spirit always wants to do the right thing. It wants to be disciplined. But your mind and your body will fight you and will scream when you're making the right choices and, and having discipline to get to where you need to get in life. Jesus said it like this in the Gospels when his disciples were supposed to pray with him one hour. Remember that? He said, could you pray with me one hour? And they said, yeah, we got this. They were not disciplined at all. They were just used to Jesus feeding them, not praying with him. And Jesus said, could you guys pray with me one hour? They're like, we, we got this. We can do this, Jesus. You go pray. We'll be over here. We're praying. We're going to pray for you. So when Jesus came back, they were asleep. And Jesus said, could you not pray with me one hour, guys? Now, what was that? They didn't have any discipline. But what did he say after that? The spirit is willing. The spirit's always willing. But your flesh is weak. That's where, why you feel that 
pain and uncomfortableness. It's not your spirit, man. It's your flesh and your mind fighting you because it's weak. To do anything, whether that's spiritually or with your soul or with your body or with your relationships or with your money or any part of your life, it's always going to be a fight because your spirit wants to do it, but your mind and your flesh are weak. So you know what you got to do with it? You got to discipline it. You got to tell your flesh and your mind, you're not in charge. I make the decisions. One of the definitions of discipline is to impose order upon. Not on your neighbor, not on your husband or wife, on yourself. You got to do that sometimes. And you can by your choices and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called discipline. And we all need to do that. Why? Are we just doing it just for fun? We're doing it to get the life and dream that God has in our heart and he's created us to live. The more you do that, the more you build up resistance. You build up strength. You build up immunity. You get stronger and you grow and you change when you choose discipline. So today, we are going to talk real practically on who, how, and do. Okay? So I'm going to erase this. We're going to have another performance of my artwork. You still here? Say amen, just so I know you're here. Okay. So we're going to kind of take a step, take a step back to, uh, to take a step forward here. So if we're designing our life before we get to the discipline part, because we're, all, we're already all in agreement here, we're going to be disciplined people. Okay, right? We're already there. I've already convinced you by now. But before we get there, we have to design our life to see what we're going to do, where we are going to go, and who we're going to become. So I'm going to draw this, and then later on this week, Michael's going to draw a nice version and put it on social media, okay? Deal? In case you don't see and get the, the thing I'm doing, okay? So if we're designing our life, right here, design, there's... Several things we need to think about when we're designing our life. The who, the how, and the do. You with me? Because I want to give you some real practical steps on how you start designing your life and seeing what God has for you before you jump into this discipline stuff. Right? Let's read a verse here. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So we realize to go anywhere in life, before we start doing anything, we got to know where we're going. We got to know the destination. We got to know what our even goal is or what target are we even shooting at. Because the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. So that's what we're going to talk about first, which I'm going to title The Who. When we're designing our life, the first thing we need to figure out is who. Now, the reason I'm saying that is this, because we need to ask ourselves when we're designing our life and thinking about our future, the most important question we can ask ourselves is, who do I want to become? 
Now, if you read the research on this, it's been proven identity-based goals always work better than behavior-based goals. And identity-based goals are long-lasting when behavior-based goals are short-term. You have to understand this. To change your behavior, you have to change your identity first. Are you with me? Or the Bible would say it like this. If you want to change the fruit, you got to change the root. Many of us are trying to change our life and we're just clipping off limbs. Clip off a limb here, clip off a limb here, clip off a limb here. And you're just changing the outward, the behaviors. But if you want to change the fruit, you got to change the root. So when we're designing our life and changing our life, the number one question we have to ask ourselves when we're writing a vision for our life and designing our life is, who do I want to become? Because your identity will change your behavior. Now, it's interesting to note that God changes us that same exact way. Do you realize when you get saved, God saves you before you act saved? He changes your identity before he changes your behavior. When you get saved, God calls you holy before you act holy, before you live holy. Why? Because he changes your identity before he changes your behavior. Come on now, somebody. I felt like you got Pentecostal for a second. My goodness. When you get saved, God calls you righteous before you ever act right. Why? Because he changes who you are before he changes what you do. But it's the same way with designing your life. you got to change your identity before you change your behavior. Just the same way God changes us. He calls us righteous, holy, beloved, saved, healed, blessed. Before we ever act it, before we ever live it. Why? Because he changes who we are before he changes what we do. Our identity. So if we're going to have long-lasting change, you have to decide who you're going to be. That's identity. So when you're designing your life, start thinking about this. When you're writing this down, when you're talking to your friends about this, when you're journaling this, when you're figuring out the vision that you want for your life to design the life that you need to live in every area, make your vision or your goals identity-based. I'll give you some examples. Instead of saying, I want to run a marathon, say, I want to be a runner. You know why? It's proven that... If you say you want to run a marathon instead of you want to be a runner, you'll run the marathon and then you'll never run again. Because you didn't change your identity. You just changed your behavior. The goal should be to become a runner. Same way with, let's just say, you want to read two books this next year. Instead of saying, I want to read two books next year, I want to be a reader. Because guess what? If it's not identity-based, you'll read the two books and then you'll never read. For the next couple years. It's been proven. So we have to make our goals bigger than just a temporary thing. We need to have them based in our identity. Instead of I want to run a marathon, I want to be a runner. Instead of I want to read two books, I want to be a reader. Here's another one we all struggle with. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to go on a diet. Really, all those things are 
temporary. How many people have went on a diet and gained it back? Raise your hand. Everyone who didn't raise their hand, you're a liar. <laughs> or you're supernaturally skinny, one or the other. But the goal should not be lose 20 pounds. The goal should be I want to eat and live healthy the rest of my life. Why? Because most people do a temporary goal. They lose the 20 pounds and then they're like, I made it. And then they go back to their old lifestyle because it, it was just something they did to, to reach that goal and it wasn't their identity. They didn't change who they were. They didn't change their thinking. They didn't change their identity. So if we want these goals to not just be short term, but long term the rest of our life, our goals and our vision needs to be who we're becoming, our identity. Are you following me today? So we need to think bigger about our vision and who we are becoming. Or it will only be temporary change, not lasting change. So I'm encouraging you in all of this because later on today we're going to give you a handout. There's going to be a handout on our website to help you get started in writing the design or vision for your life. That's why I'm explaining this today. So let's start here. When you're designing your life, you start with who? Who do I want to become in every area? And guess what? Be honest with yourself. If you don't like it, say you don't like it. So many people are not honest with themselves. If you don't like the way you feel physically, say, I don't like it. And I don't want to become like this, so I'm going to change. If you don't like the way you're treating your husband or wife, call yourself out on it. Say, I don't like who I'm becoming here. I need to make some changes. If you feel like your spiritual life is dragging and you're distant from God, call yourself on it. Say, this is not who I want to become. I don't want to be this type of person. I want to be close to God. I want to be spiritually sensitive. I want to be spiritually strong. I want to bring something to the body of Christ. That's who I want to be. But nobody else can make that decision for you. No one else can make this vision for you. No one else can tell you who you need to become other than God so you need to ask him, who do I want to become? Your goals have to be based in identity, not just temporary goals. Or it won't be long lasting. You with me this morning? Okay. I feel like you're with me today. So when you're designing your goals, you got to go who. That's your identity. The next thing is how. This is your system. Now, this is what we're going to talk about the rest of today is your system. Because it's great that we have this big vision list or goal list or this is who I want to become and we write it down and we put it on our mirror. Wonderful. You start there and you have to have that. Why? Because without a vision, without a goal, without who we are going to become, we'll perish. We won't get there. We need that to design it. But we have to have a system to make this happen. Now, I love this quote. This is from James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits. He says, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Your goal or identity is your desired outcome, but your system is a collection of daily habits that will get you there. So we need the who, identity, but we also need the how, the system. Now, this is 
how our church works, because this is not my forte. We have Brother Sean. He's a system guy. Hey, this is me. And if it was just up to me, we would have a great vision and none of it would come to pass. Right? Because that's the way I live. I live in the who. Identity. I mean, I, I could cast visions for days. I, could, I see this dream, see this goal. And then Brother Sean and staff says, yeah, but how is that going to happen? Right. Don't throw water on my fire, Brother Sean. But you got to be honest enough to say, if we don't have a how, this is just a pipe dream. This is just wishful thinking. Because you have to go from who, identity, to how, a system, to make this happen in your life. We all have to have it. You have to have it as a church. You have to have it as a business. You have to have it as a family. You have to have it as an individual if you want to see God's dream come to pass in your life. You still with me today? So when we're designing our life, we got to ask who, identity. Then we got to go from who to how. What's my system I'm going to implement to get me from here to here? So that's what I'm going to stay with the rest of this message. And I'm going to get real practical about it. So when we're starting on who we're going to become, your system is what's going to take you to where you need to be. When we're thinking about this, I want to give us real practical steps today on how to have a good system. You with me? So let's start here. When you are starting a system or plan to implement who you want to become, you have to start small. You have to start small. The reason a lot of us don't ever make any progress is because we make it too big. And if we make it too big, we get overwhelmed. We quit. If you're going to have a good system, you have to start small in every area. By starting small, I mean if the goal is lose 50 pounds, don't try to lose 50 pounds. Lose two pounds. Because if you start with the 50, you're going to be overwhelmed. And you're going to give up before you ever hit 50. You start with two pounds. Then if you lose two pounds, next week, two more pounds. Two more pounds. Two more pounds. If you start small and you implement these systems small, they will work. They will take a little bit longer, but they will work because it compounds over time. Let's take another example. Start small. Why? Because if you don't start small, you will get overwhelmed and you'll quit before you get there. Let's say you got $20,000 of debt to get out of. The goal should not be $20,000 of debt to get out of. The goal should be, let's get out of $500 of debt. And then next month, let's get out of $500 more of debt. And the next month, let's get out of 500 more dollars of debt. You have to start small. And that's a good system for your habits to start forming. Small wise habits compound over time. And they connect to other areas of your life. 
if, if you have good habits in this area, trust me, they will flow over to other areas of your life. But we have to start small. Zechariah 4.10, let's read this verse today. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. What does that say? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the day of, of small starts. When you're starting out and you, okay, well, you got out of $100 of debt and you lost a few pounds and you're making some more right choices, rejoice in that. You got to start small. And if you do that, you'll stay with it. They will compound over time and those small wise habits will make a difference. But when you're having a system, you got to keep it small. You with me? The next thing is you got to be consistent. You got to be consistent. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. If you want a good system that works, it needs to be small and it needs to be consistent. How many of us know this? If you eat good one day and then you eat horrible the next day and then you eat good the next day and then you eat horrible the next day, guess what? You're never going to make progress. Why? Because you're not consistent. If you're trying to get spiritually strong and you read your Bible once this week and three times the next week and zero times the week after that, God still loves you. That's not the question here. But you're spiritually, you're going to feel a little off because you're not consistent. Relationally, if you spend extra time with your kids on certain weeks and then you kind of tune them out and just watch Netflix the next week, guess what? You're not going to have a great relationship with your kids because you're not consistent if you date your husband or wife on certain months and ignore them on other months you're not going to have a good relationship because you're not consistent um i thought i would have got a little better amen on that don't you guys want to go on dates or something say amen um when you're having a system you have to be Consistent, because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. I love John Maxwell said this, you will never change your life until you change something you do daily or consistently. What you become is a result of what you do every day. And every day matters. Consistency. And Consistency, just like starting small, it compounds over time. Let's look at another verse, Proverbs 12 and verse 24. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Now, other translations of this verse say the diligent, the faithful, or we could say the consistent will become a leader or become a ruler. If we're going to have a system that works, we got to start small and we need to be consistent. I can tell you're so excited you came today. I want to hear about the gospel, Pastor. God cares about this stuff too. He does because he wants you to live a successful life. 
We're still talking about our system. Is anybody getting any help so far? I know I'm teaching more than preaching. If we want a good system, we got to start small. We got to be consistent. Third one, we got to make it obvious. Make it obvious. When you're wanting to do the right things, you have to make it obvious to do. If you want to avoid doing the wrong things, you have to make them invisible to do. Let me give you some examples. Because all of us in here, whether we do it consciously or unconsciously, there's a lot of things in our life that we are triggered by and cued by to do a certain habit. Let's just take this. When we're bored, no one has to tell you there's something that happens in your brain because all of us are addicted to our cell phones. What do you do? You grab your phone and you start scrolling. Nobody told you to do that, but there's some cue or trigger that went off in your brain that said, I need to scroll my phone because I'm bored and I can't take it. So with every habit we have, that there is cues and triggers. The thing is, a lot of us are doing that by default, not by design, and it's usually the wrong habits. A lot of us, when we sit down on the couch and we start watching Netflix, the automatic thing is, I need ice cream. Nobody told you to get ice cream, but there's some cue when your butt hits that couch and Netflix goes on, you're like, I need a pint of ice cream. What is that? That's a habit. And there's some kind of cue that triggers your brain, just like Pavlov's dog, and you start salivating and you're like, I need ice cream right now. I didn't think I needed ice cream, but every time I sit on the couch, I need a pint of ice cream. But if we're going to have systems that help us to do the healthy thing, the right thing, the, the areas that are going to change our life, we have to be intentional about designing that. So we have to make the right ones obvious and easy to do. And if we want to stop something, we need to make it invisible and hard to do. Now, let me give you a few examples. Miss Marion is the only one excited about this, but I appreciate it. Let's just say you want to pray more. And you keep forgetting to pray more. So, let's just say you have a 30-minute drive to work every day. If you can't remember to pray more, put a sticky note on your steering wheel. So every time you get in the car, what's that? That's a cue to make it obvious and easy, I need to pray. And you could even write on the note, do not turn on the radio, pray on the way to work. Am I being too practical? No, because if you want to do the right thing, you have to make it obvious, a good system, to do it. And if you want to avoid the wrong things, you've got to make it invisible and hard to do. Let's just say you want to get through a book. Well, don't put it back on the shelf. Lay it on your pillow every night. So when you go to the bed, you're not going to miss it. If you lay your head down on the pillow, you're going to hit a book. And it's going to remind you, I need to read this book. Just something as simple as that is a cue that helps the system be obvious for you to do. If you always say, well, I can't go to the gym because I don't have gym clothes and I don't have my workout stuff. Pack your bag and put it by the door so you trip over it on the way out of the door. Make it obvious and easy to do. Now, we're talking about systems here. I know Brother Sean is going to give me an offering tomorrow when he comes to staff meeting. A good system has to be obvious and easy, and if you want to avoid the wrong things, they have to be invisible and hard to do. 
Here's another one. It's easier to eat the right healthy food when that's the only food in your house. Too clear? How many know you can't eat Snickers if there's no Snickers in the house? You can't eat Cheetos if there's no Cheetos in the house. You can't eat the wrong food if there's no wrong food in the house. If you only put healthy food in the house, you're only going to eat healthy food. People overlook that because they're like, that's too practical. No, that's how you do it. Make it obvious where you can't avoid it. How do you stop eating the wrong food when you're at the house? Don't buy it. Don't put it in your freezer. Don't put it in the snack cabinet. And you'll be amazed about how much healthier you will eat when it's not available. You got to have a good system. You got to have a good system. So, look at this verse, Romans 13 and verse 14. I know you're excited about this today. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Let's leave it up here. No, I ain't taking this one down. (laughs) This verse is preaching what I'm saying. If you want to do the right discipline to the right habits, you got to make it obvious and easy for you to do. And if you want to stop doing the wrong things, you got to make it invisible and hard to do. That's called making no provision for your flesh. If you want to eat the right healthy food, have healthy food in the refrigerator. Are you with me? If you have trouble going to the gym, get a friend that can go to the gym with you that will keep you accountable until you're a stable and discipled enough to be able to do it yourself. Are you with me? Why? Because you got to make no provision for your flesh. If you trust yourself when you know, I ain't going to do it by myself, you're making provision to get yourself out of that discipline. If you have trouble looking at porn, guess what? Give your wife the passcode. Put protection on your, on your screen. Don't wing it. You know why? Because when you do that, you're making provision for your flesh. Come on now, somebody. If we want to do the right thing, we have to make it obvious and easy. If we want to stop doing the wrong things, we've got to make it invisible and hard. The Bible calls that making no provision for your flesh. Knowing that your flesh is weak and it will do whatever it finds to do if you make it available for it. It will. If you leave it up to chance, your flesh will melt right into the bad eating it will melt right into the wrong stuff on TV. It will, it will make purchases you should not make on Amazon late at night. Getting in debt for something you found on Amazon. Spend thousands of dollars in packages coming to your door that you have to hide from your husband. Make no provision for your flesh. That's a good system. We have to make it obvious and easy and the wrong ones invisible and hard to do. Can I share one with you, a personal one with me? You want to hear the dirt? You want to hear the tea? Okay. So, as all of you in here, I'm going to throw all of you under the bus. If I'm going under, we all going under together. Most all of you have problems with social media. Most of you. 
by that, I don't just mean posting things you shouldn't because there's plenty of people in our church that do that. And I'm like, why did they go to our church? Um, don't get me on talk about politics on social media. We all have that issue. And I'm not saying even looking at inappropriate stuff. I'm saying the mindless scrolling. All of you are guilty. And it does nothing to help us. And actually, if you listen to neuroscientists and brain people, they say it's destroying our brain cells to scroll and scroll and scroll. And it's proven the more you look at that, the higher depression and anxiety rates happen. Yet we... Oh, my gosh. I went to a restaurant. What was this? Uh, No, this was yesterday. I was with Roman and Judah at Tomo eating. And uh, so I was looking around at everybody on the table, families, couples, everybody in there the whole time, even with the precious man. Come on, hear me here. Was trying to do his show. He, he was, you know, doing the choo-choo train thing. He was chopping up the food. And everybody was sitting at the table like. Not looking at the show, which is what you pay for when you go to Tomo. But couples not talking to each other. Families not talking to each other. Like something's really that interesting on Instagram and Facebook. Come on now. It's not like you're sitting at home bored doing it. You are surrounded by people eating dinner. We got a problem, y'all. So, here's me. As your pastor, I want to be more productive with my life. I don't know about you. I don't want to waste time in my life. I'm there. I'm at 35. I hit a midlife crisis. I don't want to waste any time in my life. I don't know about you. So I try to live a very disciplined life with my schedule. I know what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to wake up in the morning. I know I'm going to be with the staff. I know I'm going to be in my office. I'm going to eat lunch. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go to the park and walk if I have time. I'm going to turn and I'm going to floor it from Charlestown State Park all the way to Christian Academy of Indiana. I'm going to pick up my daughter. We're going to go through a fast food place because she's so stinking grumpy until she gets some food. Then after we do that, we're going to go home. We're going to do her homework. I'm going to give her a second to chill out because she's 10 years old and she's acting like a preteen. Anyways, we're going to change her clothes. We're going to drive to Irish dance class in downtown New Albany. We're going to do her spelling work. We're going to do her Bible work. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be the only dad in uh, the dance class, and I'm going to be the dance dad, and there's all dance moms there. But I'm okay with that because I'm a very secure, manly individual who is Irish by nature. I'm not done. (laughs) Then we're going to go into the dance class and we're going to watch all these little girls doing Irish dance. And I'm the only dad there and there's a bunch of moms talking about stuff I don't know what they're talking about. So I'm going to scroll through my phone and I'm going to prepare lovely messages like this because I don't want to waste my time. I'm going to do Irish dance class. Me and Natalie are going to go from there. We're going to go to Chick-fil-A. Why? Because we haven't tithed yet that week. So we're going to tithe our money. At Chick-fil-A off 62 in Jeffersonville, Indiana. And then I'm going to drive her home. It's going to be 8 o'clock. And I got to church at 8. And I got home at 8. And that's my day. And I'm going to go home and take a shower. And then I'm going to go to bed. And I'm going to do it all over again the next day. 
Now, I don't know why I shared that all with you, but I felt like you needed to know my daily schedule. (laughs) But I had to realize when I had free reign on social media all day long, I was, I get distracted in my office. I'm at the gym, not even working out. I came to the gym to work out and I'm, I'm at Irish Teens. I'm not even watching Natalie. I'm, so I said, I got an issue. I need to stop. Am I the only one in here? This is still on this point of make it obvious. Have a good system. If you want to do the right thing, make it obvious and easy for you to do where you run into it and you're going to do it. You got to have a cue or a trigger. And if you're trying to stop the wrong thing, you got to make it invisible and hard to do. This is what I did. Just talking about social media. Is I took my phone. There's a little thing on there that says screen time. Y'all know when you get that screen time report on Sundays, y'all should be in the altar repenting. (laughs) All of you. Because it always comes out on Sundays too. I feel like it pops up on my phone as I'm driving to church. I'm like, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. I, I took the phone. I pressed the screen time button. You can set a time on how long you can be on certain apps. You can set restrictions on what the kind of content can be on certain apps on an iPhone. So this is what I did. I went to my phone and for social media, all the social media apps, I put one hour at first. But I know the passcode. I found out very quickly that does not work. Why? Make no provision for the flesh. Boy, your flesh is shifty. It is sketchy. It, it, it will wiggle its way into something it shouldn't do at all times. And I thought I was doing something when I was like, well, I got I to gotta lock on this. It's not going to. And then it came up after an hour and it said, would you like to be on a little bit longer? That's what your phone says. <laughs> Type in the passcode. And I'm like, I know the passcode. I would like to be on a little bit longer. <laughs> if it's true for me, it's true for you. Your flesh is the same way. It ain't right. And then I noticed after another 30 minutes, it was like, would you like to continue being on here? Kind of like Netflix does and says, are you still watching? Would you like another episode? Make no provision for the flesh. So I typed in the passcode. Then I got a beautiful idea. Why? Because if you want to do the right thing, you got to make it obvious and easy. You want to stop the wrong thing? you got to make it invisible and hard to do. So you know what I did? I took my phone, all the social media, my screen time. I set it to 20 minutes a day, which is fair. And really, I only look at it to see church and the Corey and Michael Jacobs ministry post anyways. Here is wise counsel. I let Morgan type in the passcode. Why? Because if I type it, I'm making provision for the flesh. I know it. And I will type it in gladly when I want to look at more. I'm just giving you practical wisdom today. 
you don't type your own passcode in. So I had Morgan type the passcode in and I said, do not tell me under any circumstances what this code is. I don't care what's happening. I don't care if Pastor Nancy DM'd me on Instagram. Don't tell me the code. I will wait 24 hours and then see the message from Pastor Nancy. And you know what? Guess what, guys? I don't spend time scrolling on social media anymore. I don't waste hours and hours of my life. Why? Because I got a system. And I had to be hard enough on myself to say, if I can't control myself, I'm going to have to have somebody else help me and get a good system in place. And if I want to do the right thing, I got to make it obvious and easy. And if I want to stop it, I got to make it invisible and hard. How many know I could tap on my phone all day, but I can't get in. So to me, it's invisible and hard. I just give up. And I don't look at social media anymore. Are you with me? Brother Daryl, can you come play? We're going to land this plane. Are you here today? So when you're designing your life, you got to ask who you want to become, your identity. Then you got to go from who to how, your system. And I got one more thing I want to talk about, your system. And then we go from how to you got to do it, which is discipline. The last thing I want to share is this. We said, if you want to have a good system, you got to start small. You got to be consistent. You got to make it obvious. And the last one is you got to do it today. The biggest thing I hear when people say they're going to change their life is next week, next month, next year. Won't happen. If you're going to do it, do it today. Tomorrow's not promised. You got to do it today. If you're going to start eating right, do it today. If you're going to start getting spiritually strong, do it today. If you're going to start changing your relationship with your husband or wife, do it today. If you're going to start growing mentally, do it today. The thing about a system is you can have the plan, but at some point in time, you got to start doing it. But like last week, I said most of us give up way before we ever get to the place where we see the results. Now, you've heard it said before that it takes 21 days to start a new habit. That's actually incorrect. The latest neuroscience, people like Dr. Carolyn Leaf and other people that have studied this said it actually takes three sessions of 21 days to really change your habits and your disciplines. So it's really about 63 to 66 days. And that's why a lot of times we give up before we get to the place we want to get because it takes time. It takes a process. And even though there is things changing and there is parts of us growing and God is moving, sometimes we don't see it on day five or day 30 or day 55 because it's a process takes some time even 21 days alone most people won't even stick with something 21 days just to change something but how much more 66 or 63 but it's true if we stay with it 
Have you ever heard that from anybody? If you stay with it, God is faithful and change will come and growth will come and and things will fall off your life and the bad things will change and you won't do those things anymore and the, the new habits and the new disciplines will come alive and you will fulfill God's dream and plan for your life, but you gotta stay with it. And you gotta do it when you don't feel like it to get to the place that you desire it. And then you delight in it. Payday doesn't come every day, but it does come. The days of discipline can seem hard, but they are always worth it to see God's plan come to pass in your life. Are you with me today? Let's look at one last verse in Galatians to encourage you with. Galatians 6 and verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows that he will also reap. For if he sows to his flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Now why? Because it takes some time. When we're, when we're planting, when we're being disciplined, when we're making changes, We all have the tendency to feel weary, fatigued, tired. And I love what the writer of Galatians said, the Apostle Paul. He says, don't get weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we don't lose heart. And God is not mocked. Whatever you sow into your life, you will reap. You will. And you can do this, church family. You can do this, church family. I'm believing we're stepping into a season that every one of you, in your families, in every part of your life, we're going to make these changes together. And we're going to see the fruit of it. But don't grow weary when you're starting this path. I know you're encouraged today. But on day 5 and on day 15 and on day 27, remember, I'm sowing into my future. I'm sowing into the person I want to become. And eventually you will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Are you with me this morning? Ushers, could you pass those handouts out to everybody? Now we have some handouts for you today just to give you an example on how to start writing out the design for your life. We also have these on tables in the back, so if you want to take extra ones, you can. They're on the church website, so you can download it if you want to see it through the week. But I just wanted to give this to you just so you have something to take home today so you can start thinking about designing your life. I appreciate you guys being here this morning. Thank you, Father. Can we stand up today together? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I pray for your people. I pray, Father, right now that you would strengthen us, that you would help us. I pray for everyone in here that desires to change in their life, desires to be different, desires to have a different life, that you're helping us today to get a vision for our future on who we want to become. 
You're speaking to us today. You're helping us to write this out, write the vision, make it plain so that we can run with it for our life. And Father, I pray for every one of us that you would give us divine wisdom and insight on how to implement a good system to start seeing these changes made. I pray, Father, right now that you're encouraging us and you're giving us the self-discipline and self-control to do the right thing, to do the thing that's going to help us, to do the thing that's going to change us, to be people of discipline, to see the life that you've created us to have. Father, and we say that we're going to be those that delight in discipline and we desire to do the right things. And Father, I thank you for the power of God moving into people's life right now, helping them this morning, thinking differently about this, giving them strength in their body, giving them a strong spirit. And Father, we thank you for giving us insight, revelation, wisdom on who we are to become in you. Father, we thank you today. We thank your word is not just spiritual, it is also practical. And it also gives us wisdom on how to live a successful life. And Father, we receive that today from your word. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we thank him a second? Father, we thank you. We thank you right now. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your help. We thank you for the great Holy Spirit living within us, giving us the desire and the power to do your will in every area of our life. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way. We invite you into our life to be our helper, our strengthener, our encourager, our comforter, our counselor, and everything we need. And we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You can be dismissed. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.